and so that we can live it and for the next 12 months in the world, not of the world, is our focus. And you'll remember from this morning, the thematic text is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's being in the world. We're, we're to live in this world as living sacrifices, yielded to him. But then he goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, this theme is also found in John chapter 17. In fact, it's probably stated more obviously in John 17, verses 14 to 20, in a passage that tells us Jesus prayed for you, not just for us, but for you individually as a follower of Christ, as me. He prayed for me. 2,000 years ago, he prayed for me, and he did the same for you if, in fact, you know him. That is not hyperbole. That is not exaggeration. That is reality, and I want us to look at that text from John chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. If you'd make your way there to what is known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus, not going to deal with all of it, just that section indicated Verses 14 through 20, Jesus is praying to his father and said, beginning in verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world. There's part of our theme. Even as I am not of the world, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. That theme is intimated. In other words, leave them in the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. There is, again, not of the world. They are not of the world. Again, it's stated. Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, there you see the first port in the world, even so I also sent them into the world. Again, our theme repeated right there. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And here is where we get the idea that he has prayed for us. Neither pray I for these alone, that is, my apostles, but for them also who shall believe on me through their word. And so, Jesus has prayed for every believer, and of course, being the omniscient God, he would know who that is, and he ever lives to make intercession for the saints, the book of Hebrews tells us. So, Did you preach on that th- last Sunday, Brother Garrett? He ever lives to make intercession. Did you allude to that in the book of Hebrews? I think so. I'm, I, I, I still need to listen to those messages, and I want to. Uh, and I, I know that he was uh, preaching on the high priest and then believers as priests. But he ever lives to make intercession. So he's still praying for us beginning at that point. For all who would believe the message of the apostles, that is the message of the gospel. It's amazing that Jesus prayed this right at the threshold of the most profound suffering and agony known 
to mankind in the history of mankind. Because just in a few hours from then, he would be beaten, whipped, spat upon, mocked, rejected, crucified, and die, and not for any of his own wrongdoing, but for the sins of all who ever would believe. So he was praying for me, knowing that in just a few hours, he was going to suffer in the worst way anyone has ever suffered while I was still yet a sinner. He did this. It's an amazing, amazing prayer. And his prayer, in essence, was, Father, we're going to leave them in the world, but I'm praying that they would not be of the world. In the years to come, those who were gathered in the garden when he was praying, sleeping, by the way, even though he told them to watch, they would be hunted down like prey for standing for the cause of Christ. A couple of main points if you're taking notes. First of all, we see in verses 11, 15, and 18, Jesus prayed for you while you're in the world. Verses 11, 15, and 18 state that or intimate that, that Jesus was being called out of the world to go back to his Father's right hand. However, he made it clear in this prayer that his followers are to stay in this world. And we know that, practically speaking, logically speaking, because if we were not to be in the world, he, he would have already taken us home. He, he would have, uh, uh, death would have visited us. But by virtue of us being here in this service, watching by way of internet, says, it confirms what he said that I want them in the world. I actually want my people out among the pagans of society. Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were sent out to the, what was known as the ends of the earth at that time to start first century missions. Among 100% lost people, be in the world. And he prayed that we would be in the world, not taken out of the world until it was our time for our home going. Theologian B.F. Westcott wrote, the glory of Christ and of the Father in Christ was to be realized by the continuance and completion of that which he had begun in men. And what is it that he had begun in men? The glory of God uh, flowing through their lives. And that began immediately, as soon as he ascended. They were meeting in the upper room. uh, And they were baptized in the Spirit. And performed miraculous signs and wonders. And people believed. In fact, 3,000 believed. And that is the case in our day. He still wants us in the world making a difference for the cause of Christ. Now, you you Redbridgers uh, who were here... Well, I've I've said it a a number of times about God's providence, right? You've heard me say that uh, and how I am, without being mystical, I am not a mystical person. I'm an analytical person. I'm a chemist by degree. 
I look at the analysis. Of, I look at the, uh, uh, the facts and then come to an analysis. So I am not at all mystical, mysterious, uh, uh, ethereal. Um, but I can't deny the providence. I don't want to deny the providence. That is the, uh, the supernatural visitation of God in circumstances, for lack of a better way to define it. Brother Chip Chase, you said that just recently you were reached out to by a man who wanted to talk about his situation in life. Is that somewhat accurate? And you shared with him the Romans road to heaven over the phone. On Thursday or Friday, I was contacted by a Redbridger who had an acquaintance who was asking about salvation, could I speak to your pastor? And so I was contacted, and I said, absolutely. Uh, We set it up. The man came in, uh, talked to me. I opened up Romans chapter 3, walked him through Romans Road, and he knew the first three points. He was a sinner. There was judgment for sin, but Christ died. But he didn't understand the connection of Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I use the illustration of if I were to present a gift to you, but you were to leave it there on the table, put your hands behind your back, say, oh, thanks, that's very nice. One of these days, I'd sure like to be able to take advantage of that gift. I'd sure like to have the blessing from that gift one of these days, but not now, not interested, or whatever. That, that gift is left uh, unreceived. You have to reach out and receive that gift by faith when we're talking about salvation. That I believe this gift has been provided for me because of love. And I can't pay anything for it. It's a gift. But I can receive all of the benefits that the gift has. And that it offers if I will but reach out and receive it. And I said to this man, do you want to do that? Do you want salvation and eternal life and Christ to forgive you and to follow. Yes, that's, that's exactly what I want. And in 30, 45, 60 seconds, he said, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I want to follow you all my days. And he was saved instantaneously because of God's goodness and his providence and so the point I'm making is that would not have happened in my life had I not been in the world had I had the attitude the mindset uh, uh, I'm a believer I can't be soiled by being around lost people I'm going to isolate from them and not let human depravity come my way Oh my, that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus prayed. He said, Father, keep them in the world. The world needs them. The world needs the light of the gospel. It's the only hope. And we have the only answer for fallen mankind. You are in the world. Child of God, he prayed that you would be one. That you would remain as one. Harry Ironside correctly stated, I believe, it is sometimes said that this prayer of our Lord's has not been answered because Christians are so scattered and divided. 
This, however, is not true. The unity of which he here speaks is the unity of life, family unity, and all believers are one in this sense. And so we are as one marching together in the world. You have a role to play, as Mark was alluding to earlier, uh, in the orchestra. Someone's playing the trombone, someone's playing the trumpet, someone's doing this, that, and the other thing. You have a particular, but they're all in the orchestra. We're to be in the world. Jesus prayed for you to be in the world. We know it's his will because he hasn't taken us home yet. A.W. Pink quoted Bishop Ryle who wrote, Three, this is insightful. I wish I could have a mind like this. Three of the only prayers not granted to saints recorded in Scripture are the prayers of Moses, Elijah, and Jonah. That is, God, just kill me and take me home. He didn't answer that prayer for any of them. He had further use for them in the world. No, Jonah, I want you in the world in Nineveh. They don't like me. They're not going to accept what I say. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to say, I'm ugly and I stink. Get out of here. No, it's not your problem. You can't change a heart, Jonah, but I can change hearts. And lo and behold, how many in Nineveh got saved? Everybody. (laughs) Everybody. Through the preaching of one reluctant prophet. (laughs) Imagine what God will do through your life. By having a heart of wanting to fulfill his will in the world, in your neighborhood, among lost family members, on the job, in the marketplace. Be in the world. I'm telling you, I I think uh, it might have to do with the older you get, you just don't care anymore. (laughs) I'm not trying to save faith. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, people say, well, keep the faith. Don't keep the faith. Spread it around. Amen? In the world. Jesus prayed for you to be in the world. To engage the world with the gospel. Thomas Constable summarized this idea of God, of of the Lord wanting you in the world. I guess I had that quote. Let uh, Let me read it to you. Throughout church history, Christians have sought relief from the world's hatred by withdrawing from it in various ways or compromising with it. Some individuals tend to withdraw from a disagreeable and dangerous environment, while others prefer to blend into it. Jesus' will, that is the will of Jesus, however, was that his disciples should do neither of these. He wanted them to remain loyal to God while actively serving as his ambassadors to the unsaved in a fallen world. Our sense of mission and our sense of identity should override our desire for comfort. Oh, my. Why don't you just kill me? Why don't you just put a dagger in my heart? Our sense of mission and and our sense of identity should override our desire for comfort. And so when you're in the world representing Christ, you're going to take hits. Not everybody is going to like this. It's going to cost you time and effort. 
It, it may inconvenience you. In fact, it will inconvenience you. God will stretch you and get you out of your comfort zone. Brother Campbell, 21 years ago, when you all said, yes, we're going to Haiti, did you have a clue that you and Jennifer would get a malaria and dengue fever? How many times? Who knows how many times? And be accused of murder? Do I remember that correctly? Or something like that? You were accused of killing somebody? And taking you into jail? <laughs> what? <laughs> the devil is not happy when you're shining a light in a dark place. And the world is a dark place. Spiritually dead. Bankrupt. Depraved. Corrupt. And is only saved by the power... It is the power of God, the gospel, unto salvation for all who will believe. Folks, be in the world. Rub up next to a lost person. Go to that office get-together and live for God. Not as a self-righteous uh, thorn in the side of the lost. They don't need that. They, uh, they've had enough opportunity to ridicule um, hip, hypocrites, right? They, they're given lots of opportunity for that. But to genuinely love as Jesus loved and to be in the world, it is going to cost you something. But yet he has prayed for you that you would be in the world. Secondly, Jesus prayed for you not to be of the world. Verses 14, 16, and 17 it's abundantly clear that we're to be in the world, not isolated, but it's equally clear we are to be insulated from the world's devices. This same man asked me after he prayed to receive Christ. I said, any thoughts, any questions? Yes. How do I become strong in the Lord? <laughs> well, you asked the right person. <laughs> I can tell you about that. How does a baby become strong? By taking in proper nourishment. By feeding. And just like newborn babes, 1 Peter 2, pursue, desire, long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so you must pour scripture into your life. Be with God's people. With a kindred spirit, shared hearts, and the like, and other disciplines of the Christian life. But we're not to be of the world. In fact, Jesus declared, if you'll notice in verse 16, that his followers are not of the world, just like he was not of the world. When we're following him, when we're abiding in him, when we're setting our affection on things above, we're not of the world. There is a distinct difference between not just, uh, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run with those who do. It's not a doing issue. It's a being. I am different than the lost of the world. And you are as well. Amen? So don't imbibe. Don't want to be forced. Don't allow yourself to be forced into that mold. You know, if a fish could make the determination 
uh, after that fish was deceived with the, with, the, with the lure, shame on fishermen deceiving those poor fish. And it's being hauled into the boat. Is it saying to itself and to its friends, oh good, I get to go on a trip. L- let me assist the fishermen and make it easy to haul me in. No, what is that fish doing? He's what? Fighting. The fish doesn't want to be outside of its nature. Why would a believer, a follower of the majestic and glorious Lord of eternity, ever dare? Let me, let me say, not, a, not, not just a believer in general. Vic, why would you? Why would I dare want to imbibe of the world knowing that it cost Christ, his life, his humanity, his human life, to pay that sin debt. Of course, it's rhetorical and it's ridiculous for me and for any believer to yield to that, to be conformed to, be conformed to uh, the, uh, the world's uh, mold. 1 John 2, 15 17, my favorite book in Scripture is 1 John uh, and these three verses spell it out. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abide forever. Yes, we're in the world, but we're just passing through. The world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven, from whence we look for the Savior, who is going to return, take us home to be with himself. This world is not our home. First Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I plead with you, as pilgrims, strangers, pilgrims in this world, <clears throat> abstain, turn away from fleshly lusts, because these war against the soul. Oh, you're going to be in the midst of that going on. They're going to be saying every kind of vile language uh, uh, that is, it's imaginable. And uh, partaking of the evil of the world. And doing that in your presence and with you around. And Jesus knows that. And he prayed for us that we would not be conformed pressed into the mold of the world, but would be distinct ambassadors for the king. Verse 17 is the key as to how this is a practical reality, and that is you are in the stream of holiness through the word of God, the truth of the word of God, nourished in the written word, gives strength to live victoriously for the pilgrim. <clears throat> pilgrim went on a journey, and he traveled a long way. For me, it's been 46 plus years traveling through this life, in this world. And when you travel for 46 years, Lots of hills and valleys, lots of difficulties along the way, as well as glorious sunshine and warmth, 
there's all of that, you need, you must have strength. And the strength that we receive as pilgrims going through this life is nourishment from the word, abstinence from the world. Wow, that was a good point. I wish I would have written that one down. That was not in my notes. (laughs) Nourishment from the word, abstinence from the world. I'm abstaining. I need to be, but yet, do I always, do you always? I don't. Shame on me. God, remind me of what was done for me at the cross. So since I'm in the world and I'm not of the world, that makes me an ambassador. I'm to go into a foreign land and share the word of my emperor. Share it correctly, share it consistently, share it compassionately as I do his bidding without compromise. I'm to be his ambassador in my home, in my neighborhood, in my marketplace, at my job, classroom, in church. Those who know me best, Kathy is probably starting to know me best. Uh, it, It takes a few years to really get to know someone in marriage. Jerry Tharp knows me best. My four kids know me best. They know if the testimony is credible. You want to have a credible testimony in the eyes of those who know you best um, as an ambassador. And I pray that my close family members who know me best, who watch me day in and day out and have for decades, one day will be able to testify at my homegoing service, he was the real deal. I watched too long for it to be otherwise. Oh, I want that. I want to finish strong. Amen? You all who have crossed over the top of the mountain, then apply the chip chases. They're going to be serving another 65 years. But the rest of us, you want to finish strong. And you do so as an ambassador properly representing your commander, your leader, your president, your king in the world not of the world. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. And it's just an amazing thing that facing the most horrific day of any human in history, in just a few hours from when you prayed this, you had those of us here who know you on your heart. Not just praying for these Apostles praying for those who will believe through their, their word, through their testimony, their writings. And we have believed and are ambassadors and understand the commission to be in the world and understand the warning to not be of the world. May that be realized in all of our lives as we faithfully follow Now, Lord, would you allow 
our hearts to be open, transparent before you in this moment of receiving the elements of the Lord's table so that we don't do so in a flippant way, in a casual way, but we consider the cross, what you have done for us as we receive, Lord Jesus, for your